What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. As always, thank you so much for that great introduction, Murph. It's most appreciated. Now let's imagine going to work in a building 100 yards long. Now, as you are heading toward the work area, four intimidating figures are suddenly blocking your way. Each one has a stare that would immediately strike fear all the way to your soul and beyond. Just for effect, how about giving them nicknames like Dr. Death, The Assassin, and The Hitman? Now the fourth one, a crafty, hardworking veteran that leads by example, is called Captain because of his leadership status among this quartet of badasses. Now what do you do? You can try to get by them with kind words and some awesome quick foot movement. How about some clever excuses to walk or run the other way? Like, oh, I forgot my cell phone. Did I leave the stove on at home? Are my headlights on? Or maybe, hey, I could sure use a personal day. Those are all classic excuses for sure. Now that's in a typical five-day work week. Now picture the same scenario also on a hundred-yard patch of land, but with tens of thousands of people watching from the stands and millions more catching the action on television. By the way, in this situation, you are now a highly skilled professional football player heading toward this quartet of terror attempting to catch a pass or gain yardage running the ball. No excuses in this situation. From 1974 through 1976, Opponents throughout the National Football League suffered nightmares thinking about upcoming encounters with the Soul Patrol. Now, the Soul Patrol consisted of four mean, bone-crushing, nasty players that made up one of the best, if not the best, defensive backfields of all time. Captain Willie Brown, the all-pro veteran and the leader of this unit that consisted of Jack the Assassin Tatum, George Hitman Atkinson, and Skip Dr. Death Thomas, all of whom delivered some of the most vicious, punishing tackles ever absorbed on a football field. 
The lucky ones walked away with sore bodies, while some of them had to be assisted off the field, wondering what the hell just hit me. In this week's episode of Silver and Black Flashback, let's look back on this quartet's journey that culminated in them becoming human wrecking machines and world champions. Let's start with the first to arrive in Raider Nation, Willie Brown, at right cornerback. This Mississippi native became one of the greatest defensive backs to ever strap on a helmet, and over the course of 16 seasons, his name became synonymous with excellence. At 6 foot 1 inches and 195 pounds, Willie Brown came into the professional football world after playing under college coaching legend Eddie Robinson at Grambling as a linebacker. Despite an outstanding collegiate career, he was not selected in the annual draft. Instead, he signed as a free agent with the Houston Oilers in 1963, but was released before the regular season began. Brown then found his way to Denver and earned a starting position at defensive back, a position he never played before. To compensate for his lack of experience at the new position, Brown looked for any edge he could find to secure a place on the team. At the snap of the ball, Brown would hit the receiver he was covering in the chest with a forearm or hands in an attempt to jar him and throw off his timing. This little jolt at the line of scrimmage allowed Brown the opportunity to get an advantage on his man, and then with outstanding covering skills, he blanketed the receiver throughout the play. This was the beginning of the bump-and-run style of defensive coverage, and it helped Brown become one of the greatest defensive backs in the game's history. He possessed speed, great mobility, a solid work ethic, and an aggressive style. He also had exceptional instincts when it came to knowing exactly where a receiver was going to be due to lengthy film studies, and he loved to cover the best receivers in the game. Those traits and his reputation as a stellar defensive back were established with the Broncos starting in 1964. In that season, he tied a pro football record with four interceptions in one game and began a streak of picking off at least one pass per season over the course of 16 years to set an NFL record. In 1967, Willie Brown was brought into the silver and black fold in a trade with Denver. He made an immediate impact on the team right from the beginning and was a vital part of Oakland's American Football League championship team in 1967. The next year, his leadership was so respected that his teammates elected him defensive captain, a title he held for the rest of his career. The next member of what would become the Soul Patrol came one year later when strong safety George Hitman Atkinson arrived on the scene in Oakland. Atkinson was a native of Savannah, Georgia, where he attended Johnson High School as a standout in football and track. From there, Atkinson continued his education and athletic career at Morris Brown College in Atlanta, Georgia. He earned four varsity letters, was selected all-conference three times, and earned honorable mention All-America. He also won three letters in track, where he was timed at a blazing 9.6 seconds in the 100-yard dash. Now, Morris Brown College was not considered a football hotbed like many of the big programs. But the genius behind the Raiders' success, Mr. Al Davis, made sure the small, relatively unknown black schools were scouted heavily. Davis was always looking at those programs for players with speed and toughness, and George Atkinson was one of those young men. He was selected by the Raiders in the seventh round of the 1968 AFL-NFL combined draft, which was considered possibly the greatest draft year in Raiders history. 
In addition to Atkinson, the Raiders selected future Hall of Famers Art Shell and Ken Stabler, and a pair of running backs, Marv Hubbard and Charlie Smith, who both carved out successful careers for the Silver and Black. It did not take Atkinson long to establish himself as a quality professional player, as he earned the AFL Defensive Rookie of the Year Award in 1968. He also became a team leader under future Hall of Fame coach John Madden, helping to keep his teammates under control when it was needed most. The hitman earned a reputation as one of the hardest-hitting defensive backs during the 1970s. At six foot, 185 pounds, Atkinson was one of the smallest safeties in the league, but that never bothered him. He was a solid performer who displayed no fear, but managed to instill it in opponents who dared come into contact with him by leveling them with bone-jarring tackles. He would wrap his right arm from wrist to elbow with tape and then use the limb as a hook to inflict punishment on the opposition with a blow to the head that left receivers dazed and highly intimidated. Now, he liked to let a receiver catch a pass early in the game just so that he could deliver a brutal hit on them so that they would remember it throughout the rest of the game. Physical, yes, but even more so psychological. On top of his tackling ability, his speed enabled him to track down the fastest of receivers. That speed and fearlessness also provided the Raiders with one of their greatest kick returners as well. Three years after George Atkinson arrived in Oakland, along came free safety Jack Tatum. Now legendary Ohio State coach Woody Hayes once said that safety Jack Tatum hit so hard that his blasts knocked opponents right off their feet. While in high school in New Jersey, Tatum knocked out two opposing quarterbacks in the same game. These incidences, plus countless others, gave this bone-jarring human torpedo the moniker of the assassin. Through weight training, Tatum built his 5-foot, 10-inch, 200-pound frame into a solid weapon of destruction. Along with his physical strength, he had blazing speed, as a 10-second clocking in the 100-yard dash would testify to. After earning All-America honors twice and being selected National Defensive Player of the Year as a senior at Ohio State, Tatum was more than ready for the next level of competition. By this time, the Raiders were coming off an 8-4-2 season in 1970, and even though they reached the AFC Championship game that year, Al Davis and John Madden felt the team needed to be restocked, especially the defense, which seemed to be losing a bit of its trademark intimidating fashion of play. With that on their mind, they went into the 1971 college draft looking to find a player that could deliver severe hits and provide an enforcer role. They got that in the first round of the draft by selecting Jack Tatum as the 19th player selected overall. Upon his arrival at training camp, the Oakland coaching staff informed Tatum that the safety position was his as long as no one else could beat him out for it. For nine seasons in a Raider uniform, no one ever did. With Tatum's hitting ability, it was quickly understood that he would not relinquish the opportunity given him. He easily became a starting safety on one of the greatest defensive backfields ever assembled. Now, despite the havoc Tatum caused on the opposition, he possessed a very laid-back personality. He just let his tackling ability do the talking for him. He would just rattle a ball carrier's bones and then quietly return to the huddle to await another chance at hitting someone. His impact was felt from the very first game in which he wore the silver and black uniform of the Raiders in 1971. By the end of that first season, the rest of the league respected and feared him. He earned selection onto the all-rookie team and was runner-up for the NFL's Rookie of the Year award. 
Next to arrive was the final piece of the puzzle, Alonzo Skip Thomas at left cornerback. Now, the first time the assassin, Jack Tatum, saw Thomas play, he knew right away that he was true Raider material. The left cornerback loved to punish opponents and loved to be called Dr. Death, but he was not an actual doctor, of course. And good thing. Now, can you imagine walking into a medical facility and seeing a doctor with that nickname? That would have to be a very hard no. However, on the football field, sure, why not? Any advantage, mentally or physically, is definitely huge. About to be tackled in the area of a hard-hitting defensive back calling himself Dr. Death could prove to be very intimidating. Thomas even had Dr. Death painted on both doors of his Corvette right below a skull and crossbones. Damn, that sounds like something out of a science fiction death race film from the 1970s or 1980s drive-in circuit, doesn't it? Thomas would not speak to reporters or allow his picture to be taken because he felt having your picture taken stole parts of one's soul. Very deep observation. He did not like people in general, and seeing that reporters were human beings, well, they fit into that category. He rarely gave interviews, but when he did, reporters found Thomas to be a very nice person. It was felt that Thomas allowed his body to create havoc on a football field, but his mind seemed to travel into space and galaxies far, far away. Once again, just like an old sci-fi drive-in film. Now, the night before a game, Thomas would indulge in a multi-course meal, wash all that food down with a bottle of tequila and two packs of cigarettes, and finish off the day watching hours and hours of television. And now here we go. This is even more interesting. After home games, Skip would check himself into a hospital so that he could be rested before practice resumed a few days later. Now comes the truly interesting thing about this story, folks. Skip would enter the hospital riding his Harley Davidson through the front door and down the hallway and into his assigned room. He was extremely passionate about motorcycles and fast cars. He once had the dream of building a ramp in the parking lot of the Raider Santa Rosa Summer Training Camp facility and jumping a large amount of cars, just like the famous daredevil Evil Knievel. And if that wasn't enough, he envisioned himself jumping the Golden Gate Bridge on a motorcycle. Yes, no doubt, Thomas had interesting characteristics. And on top of that, he was one hell of a football player. A native of Missouri, Thomas played football and basketball at Wyandotte High School in Kansas City. The school was a basketball powerhouse, winning 20 state championships between 1923 and 1998. Thomas played a major role in the team's legacy as he was named to the high school All-America team. Now, After high school graduation, Thomas earned All-America honors at Arizona Western Junior College before finishing off his college career at the University of Southern California in 1970 and 1971. He was selected by the Raiders in the seventh round of the 1972 college draft, and by 1974, he was a starter and the sole patrol was complete. Thomas played tough physical football and possessed great speed. At six foot one inch, 205 pounds, he liked to crowd the line of scrimmage, and his tackling technique was to fiercely throw an opponent to the ground. His best skill was to take a receiver out of the play right at the line of scrimmage by tangling him up and daring him to try to find a way to get past him. The secondary is the last line of defense between an opponent's scoring. It has to be filled by tough players willing to prevent that from happening at all costs. The Soul Patrol was born in 1974, and over the course of three seasons, these four gifted heavy hitters helped the Raiders to a combined 36-6 regular season record, three divisional titles, and three straight AFC Championship game appearances, with the final one in 1976 earning them a berth in Super Bowl XI.
From 1968 through 1975, the Raiders suffered five AFC Championship game losses, but by 1976, that bitter taste of defeat was obliterated by a convincing 32-14 win over the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl XI. In that game, the Soul Patrol had its finest hour. With the game out of reach, Willie Brown added a final dagger to Minnesota's day and a major highlight of his career when he intercepted a pass and returned it 75 yards for a touchdown. Jack Tatum also had one of his greatest hits with it coming against Minnesota's star rookie receiver Sammy White. Tatum delivered such a vicious hit on White that the receiver's helmet came flying off and he laid completely dazed on the field. The first to depart from this famed secondary was George Atkinson when he was released by the Raiders on August 3, 1978 and signed a free agent contract with the Denver Broncos in 1979 before retiring for good. At the end of his career, Atkinson ranked number one in Raiders history with 148 punt returns and third in kickoff returns, and his 30 interceptions ranked him second in team history upon his departure from the team. Atkinson returned to the Raiders' fold as a broadcaster, doing pre-game and post-game shows, as well as hosting a television program titled Behind the Shield. Three weeks after Atkinson left, Skip Thomas was placed on waivers by the Raiders on August 24, 1978, but was quickly picked up by the Buffalo Bills, but ended his career at that point. He returned home to Wyandotte and worked in the penal system as a jailer. Thomas passed away on July 24, 2011 from a heart attack at age 61. June 30, 1979 marked the end of Willie Brown's famed career when he announced his retirement. However, Brown could not pry himself away from the Raiders organization. Even though retired as a player, the team did not want Brown's knowledge to go to waste and named him defensive backfield coach, where he served the team from 1979 to 1988. During his tenure as coach, he earned two more Super Bowl rings in 1980 and 1983. He left the team after the 1988 campaign to pursue other coaching options on the college and high school levels before returning to the Raiders in 1995 as director of squad development and also helped tutor the defensive backs. Over the course of his 16 pro seasons, Willie Brown played in 205 games and had 54 interceptions. He had 39 interceptions as a Raider, which ties him for first place on the team's all-time list with Lester Hayes. He earned All-Pro honors seven times, was selected to nine Pro Bowls, and was a unanimous pick for the all-time AFL team. Another unanimous decision concerning Willie Brown occurred in 1984 when the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrined him in his first year of eligibility. Willie Brown, one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play the game, died at age 78 on October 21, 2019. On August 30, 1980, the final member of the Soul Patrol left the Raiders as Jack Tatum was traded to the Houston Oilers on that day. He remained with the Oilers for the 1980 season before retiring with 37 career interceptions. During his time in a Raiders uniform, Tatum reaped numerous accolades. All pro honors came his way in 1973 through 1975. The Sporting News selected him to their all-star team from 1975 through 1977, and he was a Pro Bowl selection in 1973, 74, and 76. He left a legacy of hard hits that could fill up many highlight reels, and in the process, earned a spot among the greatest to ever wear a Raiders uniform. Tatum worked for the Raiders organization, and then became a land developer and also worked in the real estate business. He passed away on July 27th, 
2010 after suffering a heart attack at the age of 61. Three out of the four Soul Patrol members have now left the earth. But if there is a football league up in heaven, Willie Brown, Jack Tatum, and Skip Thomas might be suited up waiting for receivers to cross their paths once again. And if so, the thunder we might hear might not be a weather condition, but the jolts inflicted by these members of the Soul Patrol. Thank you so much once again for listening to another Silver and Black Flashback episode. And as always, love you, Raider Nation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.